0: Today on CityCast Salt Lake, it is time for our weekly news roundup. Lead producer Emily Means joins me to make sense of the big stories in the city this week. It's Friday, February 10th, 2023. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake.
1: (laughs) Emily
0: Means. Ali Vallarta! Let's get into the news of the week with probably the biggest story of the week. Maybe you've seen it. You probably have. Here's the headline. Plan seeks to keep homeless off Salt Lake streets during NBA All-Star Weekend. That's a headline. That is a headline. And that headline is certainly hitting these streets. And it is raising a lot of feelings a lot of mixed reviews, a lot of emotions among Salt Lakers. It is being used as political fodder. But I think before we get into sort of our analysis of this story, we should just talk about, I think it was KSL broke this news. Mm -hmm. And I think we should talk about how they broke it and what that story says.
1: Okay, here's what's in this story. The story is by Ashley Freddie from KSL. And to summarize, the homeless advocates who run the Movie Nights, the Methodist Church on Second and Second, I think they've been doing this since about the beginning of January, maybe late December, uh, they say they have been offered some money to keep that program running during All-Star Weekend. And this Movie Nights program, it's kind of like a workaround to the moratorium on on homeless shelters here in Salt Lake City. They are usually open when the weather is really bad or really, really cold. We saw some single-digit days earlier this month. They were open then. And basically, advocates are saying Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall is trying to get unsheltered people off the streets for appearances' sake, basically to look good for All-Star
0: Weekend. Right. And the other thing is what advocates are saying is where is this funding when it's cold? Mm-hmm. Like, this money has suddenly become available around All-Star Weekends so that the city can, you know, presumably look, uh, I believe the word that one of the advocates, um, Carl Moore, who was quoted in the story used, was clean and pristine. And so the sort of theme here is Where's this money when it's cold? People mm-hmm. die on our streets. Suddenly this money is available because the all-stars are in town? Doesn't feel right. And the thing that we just have to say is like, yeah, the optics are bad. The optics around this story are bad. There's no way around that. I mean, Mm -mm.
1: it doesn't help that also this week there was a camp abatement at Liberty Park the day before the mayor's bike to work day happened at the park. So people are kind of drawing these lines between the two. Um, We did ask the city specifically about that camp abatement and if it was related, they say, no, we don't plan abatements around PR events, but we could see why you would think that. And I think the question is, like, does the intent always matter if the impact is, harmful? you know, what it is? So this story raised a lot of questions for us, Allie, and so we wanted to try to get some answers. So um, we actually talked with Andrew Johnston from Salt Lake City. He is the mayor's policy advisor on homelessness. And he does say that there's something to having people off the streets during these big events like the All-Star Weekend. I mean, I don't know how many people we're expecting to see in Salt Lake City. but Tens of thousands, probably. Yeah. Yeah, tens of thousands. It's a huge event. And, you know, he says that it's more comfortable for for everyone. I mean, people literally live on the streets, and sometimes they live on the sidewalks, the public right of ways, where these folks who are going to and from the Vivint will be, you know, will be walking across. So um, there's something to that safety piece.
0: Well, and I think we should be clear about what we mean by safety and whose safety we're talking about, right? Sure. Because I think a lot of times when we talk about about homelessness, people are defensive of the idea that getting people off the streets is about the safety of not the people on the streets, Mm -hmm. right? Like the implication Mm -hmm. that people who are unsheltered, that they prove an inherent danger to the community. And I think what advocates are saying around the all-star game, and I do have to give them credit for this, is it is important that we understand that if someone is living in a tent, that tent is their home, right? And whether or not it is just off the sidewalk or on the sidewalk, that's irrelevant. But when your home is suddenly being swarmed by tens of thousands of potentially drunk, potentially misbehaving, raucous people, that can also be really, really difficult on your mental health. And so there is this notion that getting people inside is better for everyone, right? And that it's not necessarily about getting people off of the street so that the street looks clean. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, a lot of the core homelessness services in Salt Lake City are mere blocks from Vivint Arena. So, like, this is a logistical collision as well, right? Like, people need to get services and this thing is happening and it is going to absolutely swallow that part of the city. And so you can see how these are probably conversations that have been happening for months, you can see why the state, which often says, you know, good luck out there Salt Lake, here's some funding, here's some regulations, here's some rules, but we generally think that homelessness is a problem you should be solving. You can see why suddenly the state, very invested in the economic development of this event, would be like, let's all work together to make a plan. But the big question that I think you and I have been trying to explore and that is speculated in this KSL story is, where is this money coming from? This $35,000 number is being thrown around, which is basically the assessed cost to run these, for the Second and Second Coalition to run these movie nights at the Methodist Church and basically create a overflow shelter. Let's put quotes around it since it's technically not a shelter. We are in a shelter moratorium. And so... That is TBD. Like we, you and I, have tried to report this. We've tried to get answers. We are being tossed back and forth. No one can tell us where this money is coming from. But unfortunately, in a story that offers some finger pointing, the money and the finger, they are wed. They are duly wed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and we really did poke around, try to figure it out. So what I learned from the state is that the Utah Homelessness Services Office funding can only be used on providers with current contracts. So this is, you know, nonprofits like the Volunteers of America, like Catholic Community Services. So knowing, though, that the state has a lot of money, I figured, you know, if anyone is likely to pull this off, it's probably the state. Um, So I did ask if State Homeless Coordinator Wayne Niederhauser was trying to pull some strings to make something happen. And what I heard was all the stakeholders are still meeting to form a plan. That's something that is, I don't know, a little concerning to me and actually something that I feel like is always happening when we're talking about homelessness in this city and state. Literally, the All-Star Weekend is next weekend. Why does it take so long to pull something together. I mean, we knew this was happening, what, like a year ago? Is that when we found out we were getting the all-star event? And even if these conversations have been ongoing for months, What does it take to come up with a plan not at the last minute? I realize there are so many parties involved in this. All of the providers, all of the, you know, now the grassroots organizers are involved in this as well. Local government, state government. But, like, can we come to a consensus sooner than the week before the thing needs to happen? Right. Those are my thoughts on that.
0: No, I mean, absolutely. And I think at the same time, right, if you are a homeless resource provider in this city, you are under-resourced and underfunded, period, right? Yeah. And probably understaffed. Like we know that staffing has been a huge issue in getting overflow spaces open, in getting as many beds prepared as possible. And so at the same time that the optics of this are extremely discouraging and concerning to people, if you are someone who would like the resources to solve this problem or to be able to offer more resources and money becomes available wherever that money is coming from and whatever weekend that happens to fall on, you probably take it, right? You don't say, no, we're not gonna take this money because what, like, It makes it look like the city's bribing us to do the work that, frankly, we would just like more funding to do or more resources to do.
1: And right now, let's be clear, the Second and Second Coalition, the folks who are staffing this, uh, the Movie Nights program, they are volunteers. No one is getting paid to run an overflow shelter that brings in 85 people every time it's open. 85 people, that's an entire shelter, Like, (laughs) you know, an entire homeless resource center. And the people who are running it are volunteers. So if I were them, I would take the funding too.
0: Yeah. You know, I have to bring up the Olympics. I was waiting.
1: I was just waiting for it.
0: Because I think that one of the things that I immediately thought when I read this story was this is where we are a week out from a three-day event, basically. All-Star weekend. And this is a city without public restrooms that wants the Olympics. And can you imagine what it's gonna be like ahead of Salt Lake Olympics? around homelessness, around displacement, right? And like one of the biggest themes on this show in this city, related to the experience of being a Salt Laker is conversations about displacement. And I think that's why this story hit the streets hot and fast and it made a lot of people feel upset. And You know, I just finished this book that I highly recommend. It's so good. It's called Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow. And part of it takes place in L.A. And the author, Gabrielle Zevin, there's this paragraph where she's talking about Los Angeles preparing for the 1984 Summer Olympics. And the line that she uses to describe it that just keeps playing over and over in my head is that it was like the city of Los Angeles was preparing for company to come over. Right. Mm, Like invoking mm -hmm. that feeling of your mom being like, company's coming. Go make your bed. Company's coming. We have to make it look like no one lives in this house. You know what I mean? And I think that that is a really emotional sort of invocation that this story also brought out for a, a lot of people. And I, as a Salt Laker, I don't like that feeling. I don't like feeling like we have to alter the chemistry of our city to impress whoever is gonna be here for All-Star Weekend. It's a feeling that gives me the ick, and it's why these kinds of big events sometimes give me the ick.
1: Well said. I have a feeling we'll be talking about the Olympics for <laughs> years. Till I'm dead, that's we, for sure. When are, we, when are we trying to get these? 2034 or something? So we, lots of shows between now and then, folks. Buckle in. Hey, lead producer Emily Means here. We recorded this episode at 10 a.m. on Thursday, But then there was an update to this story. KSL reported funding for the second-and-second coalition's shelter during the All-Star weekend is off the table. Organizers claim it's because they criticize government leaders. However, state officials say they don't have a contract with the coalition, so they can't move forward with the funding. We'll let you know if we learn anything else. Thanks for listening.
0: The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th, and this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. And be one in a class of 19, not 100. Let's move on to our namesake. Crisis number two, the Great Salt Lake. And that means that we get to play our Great Salt Lake theme song.
1: Hit it. I should think you're
0: great. Great
1: Salt Lake. Allie, here's our Great Salt Lake news of the week. Did you know there is a Great Salt Lake strike team?
0: I do, because it was in one of our newscasts earlier this week. But I got to tell you, that was the first I'd heard of it.
1: (laughs) That's what I thought, too. I was Googling furiously, and I was like, wait a minute. Strike team? Since when? So, a uh, strike team. We've got a great Salt Lake strike team, and the strike team is made up of university researchers from the U and from USU, and it's also got folks from different government agencies. And yep. basically, they are advising the governor and the legislature on what to do about the lake. So, they just released a report with some recommendations. And one of their recommendations is to set a target goal for the lake's level to 4,198 feet to 4,205 feet.
0: Does this sound familiar to you at all, Allie? You know, it's so funny because I feel like Senator Nate Bluen during Water Week uh, sponsored a resolution, a non-binding Senate resolution that would create a goal, a lake-level goal of 4,198 feet, which is the lowest level the lake can possibly be at to maintain a healthy ecosystem, and that resolution was barely discussed in committee and didn't make it out, and then exactly one week later, after Water Week, we got this report from all the government agencies, and Emily, (gasps) I'm going (laughs) to lose it. (laughs) Why do you think they didn't pass Senator Nate Bluen's resolution, Allie? Tinfoil hat on because he is a cheeky, fast-tweeting freshman Democratic senator who went to an Ivy League grad school. And I think that there are powerful, powerful members of the legislature who want to own this Lake issue and be Mm. responsible for passing legislation around Mm. it. And I don't think they were going to ever throw Senator Blue in that bone. And I know that that is really... I mean, I don't want to say that. That sucks to say. But do I think the Utah legislature is capable of being that petty? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Why not? Why not? I don't think you're too far off, Ellie. I'll be <laughs> honest. But we did get a quote. Ben Winslow from Fox 13. His reporting features a quote from Republican Senator Scott Sandal, who I think has been running some water legislation this year. And Senator Sandal defended the Senate's decision not to advance Senator Nate Bluen's resolution, saying, by saying, you can't prioritize the lake at the cost of other things. Here's the quote. Oh. Can I just read you the full quote? Okay. No, mom. I, <laughs> I don't think the lake can take a priority over someone's tap turning on and having water in it. I don't think the lake can take priority over having self-sustaining food here in our state. I think it's an ecosystem holistically in the Great Salt Lake Basin that we have to take into account all of those other needs. Senator,
0: all of those things are inextricably linked, (laughs) and I am not a scientist. I'm really
1: confused by that messaging because it does seem like the message from the top from House Speaker Brad Wilson, arguably the most powerful person in this state, says we're prioritizing the lake, right? Right. No, I mean, like, that's
0: practically a quote. Like, he held a great Salt yeah. Lake Summit.
1: This is the biggest issue of our generation or yep. and of mm-hmm. future generations and this sort of thing. So I totally think they were just trying to stick it to Senator Bluen. They I probably so knew that this recommendation was coming from the strike team as well and preferred to hear it from them over Senator Bluen.
0: I mean, you and I in our 2023 prediction show predicted that Speaker of the House Brad Wilson was going to leverage work on the lake to launch his campaign against Senator Mitt Romney for a U.S. Senate seat from Utah. Yeah, we did say that. It's quite clear how we feel about this, but there were a couple other recommendations that the committee made, and I mean, the elevation goal is definitely the sexiest one, like because yeah. it's and it's at the top of the very list. Very clear, it's at the top of the list, and it's very clear. But they're also saying invest in water conservation, decrease withdrawals from the lake. I think the state's decision not to grant a permit to U.S. Magnesium to increase water withdrawals from the lake is in step with that. Invest in water intelligence monitoring and modeling. Again, it feels like this is something that they are kind of already doing. Bare bones. like secondary metering we're paying attention to how much water we're using a little bit more Um, develop a long-term water resource plan for the great salt lake sounds good would have been probably great to do that 10 years ago but glad we're doing it now very smart people work at the utah department of natural resources they care deeply and you know they are working on this plan earnestly and then Request in-depth analysis on policy options so that the Utah governor and legislature can direct the Great Salt Lake strike team to study the most water-efficient, cost-effective, and high-return options. Okay. (laughs) So keep doing what we're doing, I guess? Yeah. I don't know, dude. I just, I want so much more from this. It feels kind of
1: obvious, maybe. You know what, though, Allie? I am encouraged that we have some really smart people working on this who have the ear of the governor and the legislature. I'll just plug that we did a show with Salt Lake Tribune reporter Leah Larson earlier this week about what the legislature did and did not accomplish during their recent water week. Leah is such a great reporter. Before we wrap up
0: on the lake, though, Allie... Oh, my God, I... Pickled birds. Yes. Oh. Pickled birds. I mean... To quote our newsletter editor, what's the dill with pickled birds? What's the dill with pickled birds? What's Dan Padina really hit it
1: out of the park with that. Basically, yeah.
0: tens of thousands
1: of dead birds are washing ashore on the Great Salt Lake right now. And it's it's really normal for them to die because millions of birds come to the lake and that's yeah. just the circle of life. Yeah. But I never knew this. I don't know why I didn't think about this. The water is so salty and cold that the birds get...
0: Pickled. Well, and one of the pickled. reasons the water is so salty right now is because of the low level at the lake, which is uh-huh. increasing the salinity, like the density of the salt, because there's not as much water, of course. These birds are being pickled. I
1: just never thought I would see this sentence. <laughs> pickled birds
0: washing up on the shore of the lake. These are unusual times. Okay, before we go, related to homelessness, I feel like something we really try and do on the show is offer calls to action. And... I know that when you pick up the paper and read these, like this really upsetting reporting about how many people in our community are not afforded the dignity of shelter, there is this urge to just, like, do something, right? Like, it must be frustrating to listen to, like, you and I, Emily, talk about this and be, like, sitting in your car driving to work and, like, okay, well, what do we do? Like, there is an opportunity to get involved right now. So there's a very cool program that they used to do for a while every single year at the Salt Palace called Project Homeless Connect. What it is is it is basically a services fair, and so, like, all these different businesses set up booths they need tons of volunteers to make this happen and they run a huge communications campaign and their goal is to get basically anyone in the city who is experiencing homelessness or housing insecurity or feels like maybe they might be close to experiencing homelessness and needs to get connected with resources like i don't know um rent assistance for example all of these resources are offered and that ranges from like Getting your teeth looked at, to blood pressure checks, to dental care, to a haircut. They offer whatever local businesses are willing to offer. I think this is just a really cool program. It is a one day event. You and I are planning to be there. I don't know if I told you this, but I did set this up to volunteers. We'll be there. We'll
1: see you there. They need 900 volunteers at least. So if you're listening, sign up. Why not? Couldn't hurt. And Allie, I like that you mentioned that businesses can get involved in this too. If you have a service that you think would really benefit some of your unsheltered neighbors in this community, see if you can get it, get it on the list. There are so many ways to volunteer. You can even do street outreach to bring people into the Salt Palace and get people connected with these resources. So the way to sign up is to go to phcslc.com. .org and we will also put the link in the show notes for you
0: and we'll see you there. Yep. Absolutely. All right, um before you go, um it's Valentine's this it's weekend. It's Valentine's weekend.
1: I do have a recommendation if y'all want to want to boogie down. DF Dance Studio is hosting their annual red and black Valentine's ball where you can Fun. learn to dance bachata. And that's on Friday night at 9.30 p.m. Okay. So can you believe that I'm going out that late? I
0: cannot. There's also going to be a dance party at Alibi. Friend of the show, Kylie Fitch, who did our show about Salt Lake's best record store, is hosting a very disco Valentine's. So if you and your girlies want to go and dance to disco at Alibi on Saturday, they're kicking off at 9 p.m. until close. That fun. will be fun. fun, and then if you're in the mood for some heartbreak, there is a cover band, an Adele cover band called Belle Adele, and they are performing a night of Adele songs at get this Club 90 in <laughs> Where's Sandy. Where's that in Sandy? Yes, a great Valentine's weekend. <laughs> it's a twenty dollars twenty dollars in advance. That's also Saturday night. It starts at six thirty. I hope you dance your heart out this weekend. Thanks,
1: Ali. You deserve it. Same It's to been you. a long
0: one. And uh, I'll see you Monday. See you Monday. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Our great Salt Lake theme song is by Daniel Foster Smith. And our music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend.